You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. I'm my number one fan. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Give me the bird, Marge. Give me the bird. Give me the bird. Come on. Give me the bird. Give me the bird. Give me the bird. Hello and welcome to the Screen 17 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Raymond Hogg, joined as ever by Rob Mullen. Hello. And Eddie, straightforward announcer, Bolton. Hi there. Every other week, we come to you with discussions, reviews and takes on topics from screens big and small. This week, we'll be talking about the potential closure of the Cineworld cinema chain, along with our main topic, the 2017 black comedy, Happy Death Day. But before we get into that, let's catch up with the guys on what we've been watching. Eddie? So this week, I have started something I'm going to try and continue on in the podcast for a while, which is I have a number of Ryan Reynolds films that I've watched over the years. I had, I had <laughs> been... <laughs> what a weird topic this has co- turned into already. <laughs> this is going to go on for ages. Can, can, I just insert, can I insert Ryan Reynolds' gif? But why? <laughs> And oh, so I've been, I've like, been a... sorry, in like two episodes time this is going to be and now on to Eddie for the Ryan Reynolds segment yeah. <laughs> this week Ryan Reynolds has mostly yeah. been doing so uh, no just for context for people I've been a massive Ryan Reynolds fan since the sitcom series Two, Go- two Guys A Girl in the Pizza Place and um, after that from Van Wilder up until I'd say 2012 13 I'd seen every Ryan Reynolds film that came out um, so there's quite a few films I've not seen from before Two Guys, A Girl in the Pizza Place. There's a couple of indie films I never got around to. And I've always wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to have one actor that I've seen everything of. Uh, I'm not including cameos because, you know, I, I'm not stupid. Well, that's so, not everything uh, then, Eddie, is it? I'll watch, I'll watch the cameo on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week, so, so this week I started with, I'd never seen it before. It only came out a couple of years ago. was The Hitman's Bodyguard. Oh, that's yeah. the one with Samuel L. Jackson. With Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Is that any use? It's yeah, it's fun. It's uh it's kind of what you'd expect. Yeah. The action the action's fine. It's the, the whole film kind of revolves around the per, the interpersonal play between the two actors and their chemistry, and that's mm. kind of what moves the film forward. They have some other casting like um who was in it? Edit this bit out, Ray. <laughs> No, no. I, this this more no than... <laughs> I've got notes. I've got um, notes. <laughs> well, I do for the main topic. Um, Penelope Cruz is in okay. it, and she's wasted. And the Gary Oldman not used. It. And Gary Oldman is in it, and he's wasted. And they they're just kind of there to for the other characters' motivations. And I yeah, during watching it, I was just like, would you not just get some character actors instead of you know having Penelope Cruz and Gary Oldman which are selling points for your film yeah. and not really having Richard E. Grant as well apparently he's also not in it at all he's in a couple of scenes um, the, the main the main beats and the main plot and the, the whole reason to watch the film would be the chemistry between Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds which in fairness to the film is very good it's just a bit by the numbers um, plot wise but Can it's I, enjoyable yeah. nonetheless because they're always enjoyable to watch can I suggest that, yeah, I have not seen this movie, but I imagine Samuel L. Jackson is playing the straight-laced, easily aggravated man, and Ryan Reynolds is the annoying sidekick. No, nope, that's not how it is. It's really? the other way around. Okay, the other way wow. Around. 
Okay, that, yeah. that's completely uh, thrown me then. <laughs> yeah. So is this a recommend? Or? I'd recommend watching it. It's, you know, it's it's one of those if you're if you're struggling to find something that's quite easy and mm. breezy to watch on a dreary day, which you know we're going to have quite a few of over the next few months, judging yeah. by this weekend. Then it's a it's a fun watch and everyone can enjoy it and you can kind of tune out a bit a little bit. So as a benchmark, yeah, it's, it's, for, a, it's a it's an okay recommend, I suppose. As a benchmark, would you say is better or worse than Just Friends? Worse. Ooh. I like Just Friends. I like Just Friends a lot. I always think Just so, Friends is a good middle of the road Ryan Reynolds movie. I like that movie. Just on this, right? I I really like Ryan Reynolds and I think he's a very good actor. But overall. Is he in bad movies more than he's in good movies? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's with that? Like, is do you think it's parts he's picking, or I just genuinely... think I think he's always wanted to be Deadpool, yeah. and he got Deadpool, and then he's been offered quite a lot of Deadpool esque characters to play. Yeah, like but Pikachu. I'd say like... it's I'd say it's half and half. There's <laughs> I have a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of films, but and I'll go. I'll I want to rewatch a lot of the films as well, but I'll go into them as we go along. I don't want to say what I'm going to watch. Does this now. mean you're going to watch Wolverine Origins again? Oh, that's a good damn point. well better. <laughs> yeah, you better suffer that. Suffer. I mean, I've already children. I've already seen it, so the the idea was to watch ones I've never seen. Oh, right. But I will. No, I, you, I, guess, I guess Wolverine what... Origins. Have you really seen it? <laughs> Nobody's ever I mean, really I guess seen the, Wolverine Origins. The... Experienced it. Yeah, I mean, I, I once I've finished the ones I I have not seen, I will go back and watch the ones that I I want to rewatch, and I might just end up watching everything. Just we'll see how he far this in, goes and how long I can take it. <laughs> he was in that. Um, I never saw this now, but I walked into my brother, and my dad watching it. That R.I.P.D. thing, right? He was. Yeah, I've you have that on Blu-ray, Eddie. Terrible no, looking I, movie. I, I I bought that from CEX and then I sold it back to CEX. I never watched it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so very quickly, uh, the other couple of things I've watched this week were um, had a couple of people over to well, well, one person also lives in the flat, so I had one other person just before we started. He's adhering getting, to COVID guidelines. People. I am adhering. I am adhering to COVID guidelines. And everyone so else should. And by the way, wait, let me jump in here. If you're wearing a mask and you have your nose out, you're not wearing a mask, you fucking idiot. Were you also watching the South Park? Uh, no, I haven't seen it. I've, I've just lived. I've lived in and gone to the supermarket enough to see fucking idiots either A, not wearing a mask, or B, wearing a mask with their nose out. It's like, piss off. Okay, well, I, I, I wasn't going to talk about it uh, on this, but I watched the South Park Pandemic special, and it's well worth watching. It's very funny. Yeah. But just on that point, Ray, they do talk about uh, people wearing chin diapers when yeah. they should be having their their Hopefully. mask all the way over yeah. their nose the sorry but i know there's a bit of a tangent but you just got me irate there for a second go on sorry well, well, well watch the watch the south park pandemic special it's hilarious and you'll uh you'll you'll get something from that uh but we watched dr sleep to start off the halloween season oh nice uh, which i watched again um that's that's my third time now i watched it yes, I see still haven't seen that. yeah i, I think i will it. watch that this halloween me too it's my it's my favorite film for the last few years every time i watch it i get something more out of it it's it's re. It, I Ray, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Can, just judging by your your reactions to Arrival, because it's quite yeah. slow paced. Um, I, I don't like slow paced movies. It's just I never picked them. <laughs> no, I know that's what I mean. I, I'm not saying you're not yeah. going to like it. I wonder what you. I wonder what you'll get from it. I suppose. Do you, would you recommend more. rewatching Shining again before to kind of get some nods or? 
do you think as long as you kind of you... roughly remember the story of the shining you're fine yeah you don't need to um there's like yeah. there's one or two bits in it that i picked up on because i had recently watched the shining again yeah. where just for instance there's no there's no spoilers in this he meets someone in an office and it's not in the hotel but the office mm-hmm. is exactly the same as the office of the hotel manager at the start of the shining oh wow so there's little nods like that in it but it's it's an incredible film i absolutely adore it it's Sweet. dark dreary it's done um it's done by the same director who did the haunting in the hill house oh nice. so it's it's yeah, it's great, and um, I, I couldn't recommend it enough to both of you and anyone who's listening. I have, um, there's another podcast to listen to that they describe Rebecca Ferguson's part as one of the best horror villains of all time. And you so, don't really hate you, her either. Yeah? Would you agree no. with that? Is she that good? No. I, she's brilliant in it. I don't know if I'd say she's one of the best villains. No, I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah, I think every everyone is excellent in it. Uh, everything is excellent in it. That's why it's mm. great. There's, there's no, there's no real bad parts to the film or stuff that takes you out of it. I mean, I know I've I've talked to a couple of people about it. The last couple of minutes kind of are yeah. jarring, but apart from that, it's it's a it's a dark ride, but it's one that's I don't know. You get a lot from yeah, sweet. sweet. And the final thing I watched was. Um, we watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory last night, which I've not seen. I don't think I've seen that in 15, 20 years. The, I watched uh, um, the Gene Wilder one. Oh, yeah. lovely. Yeah. The only real one. There's yeah. another one that apparently was made, but I, I think people are lying. I don't think there was a remake of Charlie and Chocolate no, Factory. There was, uh, no, no. I think it's a conspiracy wasn't. by Hollywood or something. Just there to was some, pretend that there uh, was. I keep hearing this anecdote. I hope it's true. Do you know the scene uh start of Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, well near the start, where Willy Wonka does the tumble yeah. as he's walking? Supposedly that's something Gene Wilder wanted to do. And yeah, the director yeah. didn't want him to do it, so he did it every single take. So he couldn't use anything else. And the director kept making him do it take after take after take. Apparently, um if if I'm right remembering the scene was the kid that was the first time he'd filmed with the kids. And he came out to make it look like there was something wrong with him, like he was dead. And then he did that yeah. roll and tumble. And when the kids act all surprised, it's almost like that's what their actual reaction was to that scene. He definitely was yeah. not trying to act like he was dead, but yes. No, no, was, but he's, he's, like, he's, like he's an old man. frail. Like he's yeah. acting like he's yeah. frail or dying. Um, that's such a weird movie, though, in general. There's so many unusual things about that movie that make it amazing. Like uh, for, for anyone listening, if you ever listen to that song again, um, uh, come with me and you'll see a world of pure imagination. Listen way, way down in the mix of the song. You'll hear this piano tune, which is. And it doesn't change, but the song goes into a major key. But this minor melody is still playing underneath it. It's really freaky, really freaky. Just for dogs to hear, is it? No, no, no! It's, 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 <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, no, but it is it's very unusual, very unsettling. Well, it was interesting that Rob said near the start of the film when Gene Wilder's in it. He 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 doesn't come into that film for ages. Yeah, you're right. I was, I was, saying, to, yeah. I was saying to the guys I was watching it with that um, it's funny how when you watch that the, the the first thirty forty minutes of the film are just a normal family friendly film. There's a couple of dark mm. moments. 
but they're you know it's oh this is this is a family Christmas movie and then <laughs> and then I, Dan and then introduced I saying, the LSD. <laughs> yeah, I would say to the person the person who'd never seen it, I was like, yeah, but this has got to change big time after this scene. <laughs> and boy, does it! She was Dan, like. Um, the, 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 the sailboat scene movie. where he goes down through the tunnel is one of the freakiest oh, things where he's singing oh, we don't know where we're going <laughs> I had completely forgotten in that scene that there's weird shots in the background so you see this weird slug going over a guy's lip top yeah. lip yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you see a chicken's head being cut off really? oh my god yes it's so weird. I have got to watch this again. <laughs> Who directed that movie? Um, <laughs> also, you know, watching it as an adult, you really think that grandpa is a lazy bastard. Oh, he's a social he can, sponge. He can only get out of that bed when Charlie has a feckin' ticket to the chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah it's disgraceful. It's we were saying this as well during the film. He's uh, he's a piece of crap. This <laughs> this poor mother, this poor yeah. woman, slaving over five people. Yeah. And uh, and also, if I was her, I'd be like, "Are you serious? You're not going to ask your mother to come along with the, which is to this?" Anyway, the, it's yeah. it's so bad that scene that he goes, "Oh, I can I can go to a chocolate factory tour." You're saying, <laughs> "I guess Let I can walk me now. get my lazy ass out of bed." <laughs> <laughs> the director no. was a guy named Mel Stewart, by the way. Okay. I'd... Okay. I wonder if I know any of his other movies. Probably not. I don't. Um, I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. I have since I was a little kid. Um, it's great. It's so much fun. Even like, yeah, there's super creepy parts to it. But uh, even as a kid, they never really creep me out. And I love the kind of comeuppance that all the kids get. The somewhat ironic comeuppance. Um, and <laughs> the absolute lack of care from Willy, from Willy Wonka. It's like, yeah, oh no. I oh think um, <laughs> I was properly freaked out by the Augustus Gloop part where he went oh, under the water yeah. and was sucked up through a uh, tube. Yeah, well, sucked up through the, the tube. But like that yeah. scene properly freaked me out. But, like I, I'm coming from a kid who watched Nightmare on Elm Street when I was five. That scene has as much traumatic impact as any scene from fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. Did you guys ever read the books? No, no. no. Oh man, okay, maybe that's why, because the books are also super creepy. I remember in the sequel, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, I think it's called, they go up to space and there's aliens that are like giant worms and they start spelling things out with their bodies. I want to see the sequel. Look, I don't care if Tim Burton has to come back and direct the the true sequel with Johnny Depp. I want to see that sequel. Say anything about it. The same movie made re-over what about you, Rob? What have you been watching? It's uh, 15 oh, minutes to talk about yeah. Eddie. So, yeah, it's going to be super sparse, right? This will speed things up because basically nothing. Um, All right, and then on I to did, me. Uh, um. <laughs> I did. I've been rewatching a bunch of Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. Um, I also did watch American Psycho again. Oh, uh, nice. My wife never saw it before. Um, it was the first time she got to see it. And yeah, what about I love Paul Allen's card? Yeah, i got to return some videotapes. Um. Yeah, it's I just... was reading. Um, I was reading a bit about um, actors who had gone for parts and didn't get them, and apparently, with American Psycho, they had tried to. They got rid of Christian Bale after he was initially signed up for it because they wanted to get Leonardo DiCaprio, and then Leonardo DiCaprio turned it down, so they begged Christian Bale to come back. 
Wow. I can't mm. imagine that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. No, I don't think he had like Leonardo DiCaprio is a great actor. I don't think he has that kind of edge to him. Do you want to hear a, a weird he's, Easter egg? He's fine. This movie? Yeah. Um, right. So uh, the main character's name in American Psycho is who? Patrick Bateman. Uh, yeah, yep. Patrick Bateman. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen The Rules of Attraction? No. With uh, James Van Der Beek? No. In this movie, James Van Der Beek plays a guy called Sean Bateman, who uh, is the younger brother of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, because Rules of Attraction and American Psycho are based on books in a series. It's written by... Um, is it uh, something Easton Ellis? Brett, Brett Easton Ellis? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, those two books are actually in the same universe. So Rules of Attraction and American Psycho are technically in the same universe. Okay, Very good. But Rules of Attraction is a great movie. Um, your man who plays... James Vanderberg plays uh, Sean Bateman in that, and he's like... Uh, self-obsessed kind of like very similar to Patrick Bateman self-obsessed with with social status always trying to move up the social ladder but he's in college so he's trying to live up to like his older brother's idea of what being successful is it's actually well worth a watch Shannon Soseman is in it Um, I'm actually just looking at the IMDb Eric Stoltz is in it are you just reading IMDb now? no no I was just I was actually I was curious I was just reading down through the casting because I, I wanted to just make sure I was pronouncing that person's name right but I didn't realize Eric Stoltz is in it and Faye Dunaway oh wow I might rewatch this movie sorry continue Rob no that's about it um, yeah that's pretty much all for me um, Ray do you want to talk about uh, do you want to talk about Gotham for a while um, no no I'm, I'm, I'm still <laughs> I'm still suffering the trauma from not wrapping up to be honest um God, I really need that show to come back. But no, I mean, American Psycho is great. I haven't seen it in a few years now, but I remember I've seen it twice now. I remember loving it both times. And again, it's slightly different. It's one of those films where I think it's slightly different every time you come back to it because you're a different age. Yeah, I mean, you're coming out of a different slant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think watching it now is quite interesting when you're kind of older and you've been working for so long. Um, You've kind of been in that business environment a bit. Yeah, it's really weird. I still don't. Like I also like that you can take the movie however you want, really. If it's a metaphor, or if things really happened, or even what the metaphor is for, um, yeah, there's a lot you can take from that movie, and uh, lots of great acting too. Isn't Jared Leto in that movie? Yes, yeah. he is. Is is yeah yeah he's one of the um, without getting into too much spoilers, but he's one of the the, the lads that Patrick Bateman sends on his way. Yep. Jesus yeah. Christ! I mean. Uh, Ray, <laughs> not to not to go into too much spoilers, but Jared Leto, <laughs> he gets killed. He gets killed by the main character, doesn't he? Well, he's only in it for about ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been catching up with the boys. I watched the the latest episode there. This show is fantastic. Like, honest to God, I know Eddie, you're kind of sick with superhero movies, TV shows, and all that kind of jazz. The boys is well worth it. It's I so fucking good. The second season. It's really Does it good. Keep up with the first season. The first season was great. Um, yeah, if it's it's in some ways stronger, I think. Um, you obviously know the characters a bit better, so you you kind of know their, uh, the sh- like the real shitty characters from the non-shitty ones. Whereas I think the first season was exploring which heroes are shitty and which ones aren't. Like in the second one, you just know who these people are and they wear their fucking personality on yep. their sleeve. Um, 
yeah, really good. Um, what else? I think we watched something recently. Oh, I watched um, oh fucking some documentary on Netflix about killer neighbors or the neighbors next door or something. Oh, what the fuck is it? It's like really, it's trending number one in, in Ireland at the moment on Netflix. Oh, bugger that. Um, anyways, it's very good. It's about this guy and his wife and kids go missing, presumed dead, and it's all about the drama that unfolds after that. So. Yay. Nice. He did it to me. I'd watch it. No spoilers here? Sorry, Eddie? I'd watch it if I knew what it was. Yeah, it's... look, I'm not going to put any effort into trying to find it, but if I knew the no. name, I'd definitely yeah. watch it. No, this is on you. This is on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking, don't make me fucking Google this. <laughs> All right, so will we go on to our main topic? Yeah, so, um, no, no, actually, before we get into our main topic, we're going to talk about a bit of kind of somewhat breaking news here. Um, Apparently, the uh, cinema chain Cineworld is closing down, possibly for good. Now, this is just kind of breaking at the moment, so there's no official statement. I mean, Eddie was kind of saying that they're saying that it's all still a little bit um, up in the air. But do you want to take the point on this one, Eddie? Yeah, I don't think any report was saying that they were going to be shutting down for good. The All the reports were saying that they would open when it was feasible to do so. Um, but I mean, I guess because the idea was that they probably wouldn't be opening till April, that they'd mm-hmm. have to um, put a lot of staff in redundancy. But anyway, so that, this was all came out in the media yesterday, and Cineworld uh, brought out a statement earlier on today. We're recording on the 4th of October right now. And this was earlier on, just a few hours ago from when we are recording. And Cineo said, we can confirm we are considering the temporary closure of our UK and US cinemas. Uh, I hope that that also means Irish because we're not part of the UK. But anyway, yeah. but a final decision has not yet been reached. Once a decision has been made, we will update all staff and customers as soon as we can. Now, I know that they the idea is that they're going to lobby to the government in the UK and say that it's not yeah. feasible to keep the the cinema chain open. Um, I wonder, is that looking for one money or is it looking for the government to lobby um, studios to start releasing films again in the cinema? It's, it's all up in the air. Who knows? It's Mm. not, it's not a great sign for cinema in general. If, if we've gotten one, basically one big blockbuster, that is how cinema chains thrive. Yeah. If we get one big blockbuster in a year, a calendar year from April to April, um, it's not it's not great for for a lot of cinemas. And I know me myself personally, I'm going to try and go to the couple of local cinemas that are around here whenever mm. we get out of our our little enclosed lockdown in Dublin, because yeah, um, I, I want to be able to go to the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. It's really like from my understanding of how cinemas operate with their margins they make no money off the, the ticket sales right it's all um they get the a percent. tweets i think no yeah, no I, think, I mean like profit wise i think just, unless the movie is something like if, if the movie is very successful and they can run it for a bit longer then yeah they'll they'll start making profits after the first week or so yeah. but generally but right, yeah yeah it comes from the sweets and it's drinks and yeah it's, it's drinks yeah. sweets and especially popcorn and like you need that big blockbuster to get people in. I was trying to think about yeah. it there. It's not like you could re-release things because that will only draw so many people in. Yeah. And probably the licensing costs and re- 
replaying an older movie is still pretty high. And I don't know these days, it's all hard drives anyway, but like what the deal is with distributing, say, an mm. older release anymore. Yeah. How do they arrange that? Um, yeah, it's really hard. It's shit. I love going to cinema. Haven't gotten to go very much because of the baby lately. But And then, of course, things locked down. So yeah. it became really difficult. Yeah, it's, it's um, a crazy well, one. Like, you... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, Tenet tested the waters, which was it's kind of its job mm. <laughs> a little bit. And um, it didn't come back with the results that all the studios wanted, which is why Sony have cowered a little bit and not cowered, you know, they're, they're doing what's best for their own business, mm. but they've, they've, they've taken back no time to die and pushed it back from April. And I think that was the last draw for Cineworld and yeah. it could be the last draw for a lot of cinema chains yeah. or independent cinema as well. Like ordinarily you'd say, Oh, you know, Hollywood needs the cinemas to survive in order to mm. distribute and make the most money possible. But now, with that Disney model of thirty fucking euro for a, a VOD premiere release, yeah, Mulan and so on. Um, but what was the story with that? Don't. Like, was was it in any way successful? Or they didn't come out and say, but apparently, apparently, it was quite successful. Yeah. But then again, if it was successful, why aren't they rushing out Black Widow to VOD? Because they don't want, because they're, st- I mean, it's still not making the amount of money that it would make if we had a cinema release. Yeah. You know, this is all, this is all trial and error for a lot of studios. And especially mm. like Disney are, are not ones to say, let's, let's, let's trial this. They, they tried it with Mulan and I think it got back a certain amount of money for the studio. But if they're looking, especially with their Marvel stuff, they're looking at a billion every time a Marvel film comes out, apart from, you know, a few stuff like, a few of films like the uh the ant-man property yeah the the last few you know with black panther captain marvel the two avengers films they've all made a billion plus yeah so they don't want to they're not, definitely not going to make that if it goes on to disney plus no absolutely what they, want to do is they want they will try it for films that they would have given a certain marketing push to and put them on disney plus as a way to get disney plus subscribers until the massive um films like like this like star wars or like the marvel films come out but there's no way there's no way mm. they're going to unless unless you know we don't have cinemas for two years time but they're gonna they're, have to like, do something because you, you an industry can't just stop because of this unless like maybe maybe the hit's going to have to come from the top maybe some of these high-paid actors are going to have to start taking pay cuts for movies um maybe but no i i sorry i just to disagree with that, actors do get paid an incredible amount, right? But it's all proportional to how much those fucking studios make. True. And the true. way that they do their accounting, which is like, I 100% agree with some of the wages sometimes because yeah. then you see the amount of money the movie really did make, even though the Hollywood accounting made them lose profit. Yeah. Um, proportionally, it's almost still nothing in comparison to what the studios make. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, maybe just rethink the industry a bit. As Ed said, maybe it'll rejig not only independent cinema, but maybe independent like movies, you know, movie making as well. Yeah, um, they might go a little bit less uh, bombastic on their cinema. Like we might get a bit more kind of um, not not indie movies is the word I'm looking for, but maybe movies more like the vein of Joker, where like it's a movie that is guaranteed going to fucking get people's bums in the seats but at the same time it was made very cheaply similar to like the first deadpool movie 
Like movies don't need to be this big bombastic display. You can make a really good movie for a small amount of money. I mean, like what was Deadpool one made on? About fifty million. Was Joker was sixty? Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> but like both those movies, respectively. I mean, they they fucking killed it at, at the box office. So maybe movies need to dial back this like big CGI fucking investment and having massive set Joker pieces. 55. 55. Okay, so basically the same same budget for both movies and completely nailed at the box office. And I I don't know. Like, like you might be right, Rob. Maybe studios do have to dial back their production a bit. Maybe they have to keep it a bit more grounded or something like The Mandalorian is exploring the 360 degrees um, filming location. So it's a giant LED screen that they have. Uh, I think it's called The Vacuum is the nickname for it. So it's LED screens, 360 degrees, and they can build any set you want. Space, land, anything in this enclosed uh, arena. It's fucking spooky. I showed it to Ed. I think I actually shared it with you, Ed, when you were visiting a few weeks back. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's really mental. Good. Well, we'll talk about my... Um, we, we'll go into it, actually, when we get into our film, about how studios can work on a budget mm. and what ones do it quite successfully because the film we're going to talk about next is uh, is from a studio that is extremely successful in marketing, in budget, and in profit. Yes, let's kick into 2017's Happy Death Day, a black comedy where we mash the genre of Groundhog Day and Scream. What the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was, in a, it was a seg segre of some kind. Segre. <laughs> Eddie, do you want to take us through uh, Happy Death Day? Give us a little bit of background and info on this movie. So uh, Happy Death Day was directed by Christopher Landon, who who wrote and directed quite a few of the Paranormal Activity films. He, mm -hmm. he wrote two, three, and four, and then he wrote and directed five Um it was released on October 13th, 2017 in the UK and Ireland and was produced by Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse Productions, mm. who are the guys that have done the Conjuring films, Insidious, etc., etc. They're a very successful studio, horror yep. studio. And this, uh, yeah, so it stars uh, Jessica Roth as Tree, uh, Israel Broussard as Carter Davis, and Ruby, Ruby Modine as Laurie. Um, along with a few, a few other actors. If you have never heard of any of those names, it's because I've never heard of any of those names until I saw this film. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all pretty unknowns. I think we're casting this. And like, look, this is part of, I guess, Bloomhouse's um, uh, kind of approach is that they generally, for the start of a franchise anyways, they cast unknowns and they kind of become more and more famous. I think the, maybe the exception being um, Patrick Wilson for the Conjuring franchise. And Vera Farmiga. Yeah, yeah, for me, true, true. It was, uh, yeah, and I mean, some of their, you know, this is probably a lower budget film than something like the Conjuring films would have been. Mm. It's less this this the scope is probably a little bit less than the Conjuring films, and the effects is probably a little bit less because this is all quite in camera, yeah, as far as effects goes, but uh, and casting wise. Mm. But yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is kind of their motto is to. You know, keep the budget under five million, unless you're something like Halloween, where they're they're begged for an extra five million, which they got in the end. But um, yeah. I think Halloween is like their their biggest budget film at ten million. So 
you know, they know what they're doing. I they don't know, I think even the original them. Halloween movie was only made for something like 60,000, if even. Um, I know it was ridiculously small. I mean, because like the whole thing was uh, like just filmed on one of their streets. The The mask was a William Shatner mask that they cut the eye holes larger, spray painted it white and dyed the hair black. Um, this this movie, Happy Death Day, yeah, just even just looking at the numbers here, was filmed on a budget of 4.8 million dollars and made 125.5 at the box office. Wow, that's, so that's, that's a serious turnover. That is what Blumhouse does, though, right? I mean, yeah. maybe this is a, a hyper exaggerated form of it, but they just make this pretty stock. Well, not stock, but like solid is a better word. Yeah, solid horror movie for not next to nothing, but like fairly little money in comparison to bigger movies mm. and generally the, the returns are huge like even if they're not massive it's a, more than four to five times you know, well, or in this you case, know they, for, way, way more. for a five million budget they're after making over a hundred million yeah like it's a bankable project like if i would say bloomhouse go to you what's their parent company universal or something isn't it um ba, 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 uh, i don't know was it uh, yeah yeah so it's distributed by universal um but like I would say Universal open their wallets a little easier to something like Bloomhouse where they walk in and go, Yeah, yeah, we'll we're gonna record record a movie, we're gonna do it for under ten million and look, you're guaranteed at least at a hundred percent or two hundred percent back. Like they would easily just go, Yeah, Grant, what do you want to make this time? And I guess that's why Bloomhouse movies they seem quite frequent. Like especially the conjuring. Like the conjuring has its own fucking universe now between not just the conjuring, but Annabelle. Is there a third one in the works? Was it the nun? They've already released. They've already released the third Annabelle film. Have they? Uh, but yeah. what's the? Is it the? It are sorry. The the mainline universe was the conjuring. Then you yeah. had the nun, which was all about Valak, and then to the other side, there's all about Annabelle the doll. Yeah. So that's incredible. Like this is one horror franchise that's like spawned these three tangent stories. So, like for instance, well, in fairness, actually, I I should correct myself here the conjuring was made for 20 million okay. and made made 320 million jesus so you know That's it's insane. yeah and they know they they're they're very smart even their straight to dvd films that they've done are made for such a low budget that they make money back hmm so they, you know yeah. they're they're a studio that's not going to be hampered really by this because if i think i was saying this about um We'll go into Happy Death Day 2, you, uh, in a few weeks. But having watched that, I said that they have such credit now with the audience, Bloomhouse, mm. that if I see Bloomhouse are releasing a film, there's a 95% chance I'm probably going to see it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they just, they've, they've released such quality. And even when they're, you know, a film hasn't hit like The Nun, mm. I'll still give another go because they've they've released enough quality that I know that they probably learned from their mistakes from what they've done. Yeah. And they did it, you know, they they deserve the credit as well because their films yeah. a lot of their films are fantastic and made yeah. for such a hiddens in comparison to, you know, something like Justice League, which is now what are we looking at? Three hundred and seventy five million for the whole thing the put re- together. The reshoots uh, are twenty million. Yeah. So the budget yeah, of- Seventy million. million for the reshoots. For seventy, so seventy for million. For three times the budget of the Conjuring, and it's still not guaranteed that it'll make its money back. <laughs> it's just fucking yeah. mental. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I suppose, yeah, you're right, like, fucking with the um, the thing, like, uh, when you see Bloomhouse on the opening of a movie now, or even, like, the new Bloomhouse movie, it's almost carries that same clout the way Pixar does for animated kind of movies. Like, uh, well, I, I'm saying say purely... No, yeah, no, no, did, but not, they used to. Yeah, yeah, but I agree. I, mean? I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like if you yeah. see all the new Pixar movies coming out, you got that excitement. Like, yeah. oh my god, it's going to be quality. You're up to a certain standard at least. I guess it's just like very focused movie studio as well, right? Because it's always horror. Yeah, Blumhouse. No, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Exceptions. There's a few yeah. exceptions, but yeah, so, but generally, yeah. yeah. For the majority, they, it's stylistically similar. But they also did um that. I, sorry to get on a bit of a tangent. They did that movie that we watched Eddie before uh, Oculus. Remember when with Kern, uh yeah. Gillen and oh Christ, uh, I can't remember the name of the other guy who was in it. Really good movie. Very little in the way of special effects, just all atmosphere building. Um, I think that movie was actually done in conjunction with WWE for some bizarre reason. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe they funded it to. Maybe they were trying to get their money out or something. I don't know. Um, but they've also, you know, they've also given directors either a, a first start really or a new lease mm. of life. So M. Night Shyamalan, you know, he was, he brought out Split, which ended up being um, a sequel to Unbreakable. And yeah. no one kind of knew, but they gave him the, they gave him the chance to make that film where no other studio would. And he, they brought him back for another film called The Visit before that, which, you know, the, I think The Visit's brilliant and creepy and yeah, it's, it shivers up your spine. So. Which one's The Visit? It's an M. Night Shyamalan film um, that came out in 2015. And uh, it's about these two kids who go to visit their grandparents. All right. Not, not going to say anything else. All right, fair enough. Unlike you. <laughs> <laughs> Will we dive into our movie then? Yeah, we're going to dive into the movie. There are definitely going to be spoilers ahead. Boing, boing, boing. Okay, do we want to rate the movie before we discuss it? Yeah, let's let's rate the movie. I mean, to me, this is, um, I would put it eight. Eight out of ten. It's good. It's it. When we were watching it, me and, me and Trish were actually funnily enough she goes i'm quite surprised you like this movie because it's quite teen romance comedy that type of thing but at the same time it has the kind of black comedy vibe to it um i think there's enough in it the jump scares are good the gore is good when it needs to be um but still not not grotesque enough to, to kind of turn off just the casual viewer um i always like time like movies that have time resets I've always loved those type of movies, so like Groundhog Day or The Twilight Zone, which was um, what was that episode? The one with the guy he's standing on the corner. I think it's called Ten Minutes or something like that, or Seven Minutes, where he relives the same seven minutes over and over again. I've always liked that concept in video or in movies. Um, at this there kind of video <laughs> games, yeah, it is. Completely, kind of an aside. Of that. Did, anyone ever, <laughs> did anyone ever uh, watch Stargate? <laughs> yes. You're thinking you about the hundredth episode. Yes, yes, I love that episode, and uh, it's Teal'c and um, the Colonel O'Neill, yeah, both relive the same day, and then like they find out that they're both reliving the same day. It's like I just having such a hard time every time we restart it, and it, it turns out Teal'c, I think, gets smashed in the face with a door at the start of every yeah. cycle. <laughs> um, that's a great episode. But uh, Sorry, yeah, so so this this movie basically has that um, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has that um, loop. 
yeah, it has that loop thing, and and that's what I love. I love the movies that set up a premise where the first day is yep. just the day played out normally, and every day is you learning a bit more and more about the day. Um, so I, I I'm going to give it eight out of ten. Yeah, I'd say I'd be about the same, seven or eight out of ten. I actually really did like it. Um, it's not perfect movie. The main thing I'd say about it is that it's fairly predictable. Yeah, like especially if you've seen like I'm not a huge horror fan. I've still seen good few of them like you know at the end when it's like she has that absolutely perfect day yeah you know you know you know what's going to happen afterwards so yeah i really like this um i'd say yeah seven or eight out of ten seven and a half out of ten i don't know why we've changed our grading system but i never think a grading system ever makes sense yeah so (laughs) i'm just saying i like it more than i hated it four (laughs) elephants and a tree monkeys yeah i'm I'm with i'm with you guys it's a seven or eight out of ten i wouldn't go higher than that i remember being the first time I watched it, which is about a year and a half ago, I remember being quite surprised with how much I liked it. And revisiting it, I had maybe higher expectations than the first time, which mm. I can see. I, I know, Ray, you're saying that you, you like this type of film, and I, I like them as well, but I think it, there's only so much you can play with it. Mm. You're kind of trapped a little bit, and the the first time for instance at the start of the film when she's you know she wakes up and she starts seeing all these people on the in the college i was like oh uh, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so we'll but see that, this again but slightly but that, different the whole point of that though is to kind of set up the, the it's trying to i know exactly what it's doing and i think the the, the problem with it is that these films always do that yeah um, yeah that's true yep and you can see it a mile away. Once you know what the premise of the film is, you can see what they're doing straight away. You know, yeah. there's, no... there's always an alarm that goes off. There's always can... a sprinkler that goes off. <laughs> can we start talking about it, the, the movie? Because when I started it, the first day, I was like, it was her. <laughs> it was a roommate. Yeah, <laughs> Trish was. said the exact same it, thing. It was the roommate. A, yeah, it, like that's what I mean. The movie's predictable. And um, it was like that. Oh, it has to be the person who's being nice to her. Yeah, yeah. Right. To me, it was it was like okay, it, it's unlikely to be the guy she slept with who she doesn't know. He do, do, couldn't harbor enough of a grudge. Yeah, has to be the roommate because she's being nice to her, so she has to have some weird underlying thing. Yeah. Um, there was bits in this movie that didn't make a lick of sense until the ending, which I loved because I got really pissed off. You know, when you're watching a movie, especially with horror movies, you get a bit more vocal about things mm. like how the hell did that killer catch up with them? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then you find out it wasn't the psychopathic guy. It was the roommate. Um, and it's like, yeah, that makes way more sense because her roommate was probably start stalking her the entire time. Yeah. Rather yeah. than the psychopathic guy, just knowing who she was, where she would be at all times. Yeah, yeah I still didn't, found, didn't make any sense. I still found it unrealistic at times how on it she was. So, like, just to say, like, the, during the film, that the who you find out is the person that has been killing tree the whole time is her roommate laurie mm. but there are moments in it where you think the tree is escaped or yeah. she thinks she's escaped and miraculous you could be like five miles away from where she initially saw her See, that saw doesn't make, saw yeah. killer, and then the killer yeah. is there and is like oh no yeah. i got you anyway yeah I was like, I'd say, this, this, she's unbelievably. She's, but it's she, like she I go think, into fucking serial killing as a job. What they should have, like, no, what what they should have really kind of explained a bit more was why she had to die on that specific day. 
So they should have given the killer a bit of OCD or something like, no, you have to die on the day you were born. And that's the obsession. It's like, I have yeah, to kill yeah. you this day. But I know what you're saying. It's like, you don't get this weird obsession. It's just like, she's whatever, spying on this person. Then the killer comes out of the bush or stabs her. Or, or... But that's it. it like, it's again the predictability of it where the killer has to be this horror movie trope mm. where they're unstoppable they're a killing machine like she's a fairly kind of tall but thin woman who's the murderer the roommate yeah, yeah right but she slaughters loads of people other than just the main actress yeah, yeah. And like the weird thing again horror movie style if you get stabbed once that's you dead now okay even if you got stabbed in the heart you're, you're probably not doing much if you get stabbed in the heart but most of the people get stabbed in the back where you kind of scream and like just uh, you struggle uh, uh, a lot. Uh, it's not no one correction, back correction. and die. Christopher Lee had this exact same argument. No, with no, Peter that was Jackson. Just, it was the lungs, though. That was the lungs. Well, he there, said there's if a you moment were stabbed, where the roommate... you, you don't scream. You actually go quiet. But that's because he's getting stabbed in the lungs, where all the air mm, escapes. Okay. But there's a moment where uh, the not the boyfriend, but the the guy she slept with, who becomes the boyfriend, gets stabbed basically in the low back, and he's dead. Like you would kind of, you'd scream, you'd do something, but it's like, bam, off switch, dead. Yeah. And she kicks the crap out of the other guy at the one of the first time, first loops, um, in the party. Remember, uh, Tree finally makes it to the party, yeah. which is the surprise party for her birthday, and uh, the cute guy she likes who's in the room and also happens to have that creepy baby mask, which the killer is following her with. Um, she beats the crap, like the murderer beats the crap out of him. Well, stabbing she, him loads well, of she times. Does, she does surprise him, in fairness. <laughs> she, she takes him and from I, behind. Yeah, like, like, I think anybody also, stab you from behind, you're going to be taken by surprise. I will say that also, like the, the idea with that scene was that you weren't meant to be able to hear anything. So yes. that she, no, she's not, I, I also I hated that, that thing because yeah. I thought it was so weird. I was like, the, so basically the, the guy that she likes, go, he brings her upstairs. He has the weird creepy mask on that he knows has freaked her out already. So first no, of all, yeah. does he do? Yeah, yeah, he does. He got punched uh, in the face at the, yeah. at the yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, you're, you're, you're it's like it's obviously meant to double bluff us, and it does work. But for her as a character, I'm like, God, he's an absolute dickhead. You know, he's done the same thing to you yep. twice. Oh you yeah, know, did but... he? And then hold on, and then he puts on <laughs> weird music. And lights, and then starts dancing on his own when she's clearly uncomfortable about what's going on. It's I couldn't, so weird. I couldn't figure I out that's... whether he was trying to seduce her or whether he was potentially like a dancer and wanted to show her his moves or something. It just, it, it was such a weird scene. I don't know. I kind of, it's consistent with the movie though, right? Because yeah. there's a there's a theme running through the movie of how vapid people can be. I don't know if they're specifically singling out people in sororities or fraternities. I think it's but just that guy is people in general. An airhead, right? Yeah. He's just a cute airhead. Similar to your one who is the um the head of the sorority house. Yeah. He calls yeah. the meeting. She's a bitch as well. But they're all still kind of that like being a girl, you're a bitch, but you're friends. Yeah. Um so a lot of the people in this movie seem like horrible people if they've any screen time at all. Especially the main actress, Tree. Yeah, that character I, is starts off as a terrible person. I had an issue with some of the characterization in it. Um, one of them was that any girls having a chat with anyone, it was either bitchy or it was bitchy about a guy. And more often than not, it was bitchy about a guy. There was no two girls hanging out as friends. 
you think that there might be with the roommate, but she ends yeah. up going on a murder spree. So that doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the girls either hate each other over a guy or are bitches to each other um, and slagging each other over their weight or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. I also had another yeah. issue with the scene where the we were just talking about it, where the, the dancing is going on in the guy's room. Yeah. Uh, you see that the, the guy in, the, in the, the murderer in the baby mask comes out and kills the guy while Tree has her back turned and then starts attacking Tree in the bed. And this guy from the party yes. comes upstairs. Oh my god, that scene was so yeah, that was weird. And, and she's like, help me! He's screaming for help and is either, is A, either going to be raped or two, is going to be murdered. Yeah. I understand that it's realistic that people have gone into those situations and some mm. guy's off his face and leaves and doesn't understand what's going on. What I don't like about it is that it was played for a laugh because it is played for a laugh. And yeah. that's See, not that's, Yeah, that's second me. And I, I wanted to take it the other way where it's maybe like not playing it for a laugh but going, actually, this does happen. And it is awful. And this is a horror movie. But I think you're right. I think I'm more leaning towards they were playing it for a joke, which is sickening. It would have been better if they played it for a horror moment where he sees it, acknowledges it, and ignores it, which would be a yeah. bit more like maybe uh, Stephen King's It, where you yeah. know the whole town just ignores the fact that this shit's going on. Like they, they, it's like they, um, they don't want to get involved because it'll bring it yeah. on their doorstep. Yeah, because yeah, what, what really would have been better? Me. What would have been better in that situation is the guy coming to her rescue, slip on blood, and then break his neck or something. At least then it would be like something redeeming. Like he'd slip and just like, <laughs> hey, slip and then break his neck. Yeah. And then it would just I, turn back and go, how? <laughs> like, I think you could just edit that out entirely. And it yeah. would improve the whole scene. It, it was a um, very unnecessary yeah. dig at college frat boys. And look, this does the, this does go on. And I do agree that yeah. it's it's it was felt a little bit unnecessary for it to be played as a joke. But maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe. It wasn't so much to be a joke, more so to be like, yeah, this shit does happen. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of, I do fucking egg each other yeah. on. One of the recurring moments in the film to let you know that the day is reset, and it's usually the first thing, is her mm. phone going off. I hate why, why did she change her ringtone to hey, tell her it's, it's your birthday. birthday? Yeah. Why don't you what? pick up the How phone? How narcissistic is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of consistent with her character, though, isn't it? Because she's that, like... But it isn't actually... You're right. It's not that about narcissism. She hates her birthday. So yeah. it's something she would never remind herself of. Yeah. Because, like, again, in the movie, the whole thing is her mother died on her birthday. And it's kind of ruined the day now. And she's lost that relationship with her dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only reason Because they, they shared a birthday. The mother and the daughter shared a birthday. The mm. only reason it's there is so that Carter, who obviously has the, has a crush on her throughout the film and is trying to help her. The only reason it's there is that because her dad tries to ring her later on in the scene where Carter's trying to help her after she explains to him what's mm. been happening to her and she's, her day is repeating, that he understands it's her birthday. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the only exactly. reason that ringtone is there and we have to hear it about 20 times. But wouldn't it yeah. be so much easier if she just had the generic fucking Nokia and are you not going to pick that? Go, no, it's my dad. Does oh. anyone have that anymore? I don't know. For, for, it, was in, it was in Star Trek, 2009 Star Trek. <laughs> oh, man. It makes the comeback. Yeah. Oh, um, do you know what this movie really reminded me of was that TV show Russian Doll, which yeah, came out last year. Yes, um, brilliant now, show. 
the loop in Russian Doll is just any time she dies, she isn't getting murdered. Mm. It's just any time she dies. And God, I love that show. But it's like, so, isn't it something so like, even if she survives that day, she could live for a week. But if she dies yes. a week later, yeah. she still goes she back to that night. Same day. Exactly, yeah. Which is even more um, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, this was my first watch, Happy Death Day. I'd heard of it. Um, I heard it was fun. And I did, yeah, I did really enjoy it. There's, there's pluses and minuses, as you say. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I grew up loving Groundhog Day as well. And I like how they play with that. Um, the fact that she can't do the day a million times, right? Mm. They have that mm. sequence where she wakes up in one of the mornings after getting killed by getting hit with the baseball bat. Yeah, she has the headache. And she has the headache. And she basically goes unconscious immediately. And the guy that she was in the dorm room with brings her to the hospital and she wakes up like 12 hours later or something mm. with the concussion. And she finds out that actually, even though she's waking up on the same day every time, She's sustaining some damage. Yeah, it's like scar tissue or something. Yeah, where they like gave her kind of a deadline that she does have to solve this pretty quick. But they threw it away because like she never really after that after they introduce it, they never really play with it again. Yeah, because she does die a few more times after that, and it's like yeah, it doesn't really show her. Like she, there's one point right. Granted, she's getting stabbed and beaten, and and the guy in the doctor's examiner going, "Oh my god, looks like." You know, from these type of wounds, you shouldn't even be alive. But the scene before that, she got hit by a fucking truck. Yeah, it's like, so, <laughs> it's it, like, all right, stabbing, really to... you can survive being stabbed. Yeah. You're not probably going to be surviving getting ran over by a truck. It's a real contrivance to, like, just come up with a deadline that she has yeah. to solve it in the next few loops or permanently die. Um, and that's when she kind of... This is the loop after that. I think she finds out that um, there's that psychopathic serial killer in the hospital room yeah 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 john humes yeah so then she needs to go and kill him and then she has that perfect day where she manages to do it except tombs nearly kill already does kill uh carter yeah the guy she is falling in love with yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and then she realizes oh if i finish this day and live um carter's dead he'll He'll be dead forever. Yeah, yeah. It's the, oh, sorry, de- it's the day after that she has the perfect day, and they do that like sixteen candles moment. Mm. Has to be a reference to sixteen candles. They're both sitting there by the window with a birthday cake, um, and she eats it. And I really actually did like that. Um, that like she just wakes up again, and it's like, oh, I died in my sleep. I love that twist. That was great. Yeah, mm. that was brilliant. It was like such a nice way to do it. Um. Obviously, the frustration was cool as well. I was just like, why? I fixed it. <laughs> I then, had yeah. an issue with the when you were talking about when um, Carter gets murdered by the guy. So she runs away from him with a gun, the murderer with the, who yeah. has a gun, down a hallway, turns right. He's really not that far away. And she starts going for the lift. Starts pressing the button <laughs> for the lift. Like, what are you doing? But none of it makes sense. He, like, he killed Carter in seconds. But one stab. She no, he breaks his neck. Oh well, see that doesn't make sense either. It's not hard. It's not, sorry, it's really difficult to break people's necks. Is it? It's not like just oh, we wouldn't know, Rob. You you definitely don't have the bicep strength because that's what it would be—the two hands floating out in the middle of your body. Is this why you've the gym at home? Um, <laughs> that's again what I'm talking about with like tropes. This movie really plays on tropes, yeah. and that's like oh, anyone can walk up to someone and just grab their jaw grab the top of their head and go click and they're yeah. dead um rob's so tried believe me <laughs> kira if you need help blink twice <laughs> she can't anymore 
Um, um, a couple other bits in it that I um, I'll get my negatives over. Um, before you talk so, about negatives, I like I love repeat movies like this when the person lives through the day without any um, consequences, where they literally just walk through the day. Like there's yeah, a couple of scenes yeah. in this where she walks through the promenade naked, or she like fixes everything, or like eats as much as she wants and then she farts in front of the carter and she goes eh, you're not gonna remember it anyway yeah. i do <laughs> I yeah i love that too oh yeah, it's, it's real fantasy that. fulfillment isn't it yeah it's the same as like uh the groundhog day bit where, he's where eating bill all murray's this. there yeah. having like the cake and everything just shoving it in his face <laughs> <laughs> i didn't like the fart joke i thought oh, it was I brilliant i really like that so human. so human no i know yeah. it's childish it, but it was, it it was, was kind of, it was more so just the fact she goes <laughs> and he goes Oh, he goes, eh, I don't care. You're not going to remember it anyway. Yeah. People fart. It's the thing we do. Um, yeah. Ed, what about your negative Nancy moments? No, actually, just on that, I mean, you're talking about uh, the montage. That's that's my favorite part of the film by a good margin. I It's very funny and it's well put together, well mm. thought out. The music is great behind it. Um yeah, I love what they did with it. It just it gave an energy to the film when maybe if it had kept going with the the thread it had been going, you'd lose out on it. Again, it's another trope that they add into these films, but I think it's one that works. So it's well mm. worth putting it in. Um, yeah, I mean the that's sorry as you said at the start of the podcast, Jessica Roth, the main character. She, I think she's a great actress. She does all that um, really really well, like going from that vapid, bitchy, like hypersexual, I suppose, selfish uh, sorority girl to that, like just enjoying herself and being kind of nice in those um, montage scenes. Mm. You know, she does, yeah. does the transition really well. And a couple of bits in that that are great. So when she she camouflages herself. And is <laughs> so in the, good. That is actually a fantastic yeah. scene. She yeah. camouflages herself and she goes into um, into a little, what would you call it? Just, just by like a little pond. Uh, yep. spy on them and then she gets tackled from behind because obviously the this this murderer Laurie uh, knows exactly where she is at every second of every day yep. but then also the other bit where um, the guy who is being made to do 99 bottles of beer in a wall by his sorority group in the and he keeps fainting hmm. so that's one of the things that happens that he faints every time she walks by but the the time when she walks by in the nip I love how he's awake just long enough to see as he's <laughs> and it's in slow motion. I laughed at, yeah. I laughed at that part. It was very good. You know, I it's funny as you say with the montage. Um that's actually where the bit of her getting to sustain damage with the concussion kind of thing pissed me off. It's like I just want more of that montage. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just love how it ends. more of that. I do love how the montage ends though. It's very creative by the director where she gets hit in the head with the baseball bat to obviously kill her. And then she's the camera follows her as she falls yeah, down, yeah, yeah. and as she's falling, it transitions into the next day where she's falling into bed and wakes up. I love that. It was a great shot. Yeah, I have seen well that shot in other movies, um, but it was really well executed. Yeah, coming out of the um, montage, I thought was very clever. Yeah. Um. The so yeah, the couple of bits that I wasn't crazy on her housemate. You know, it's obviously meant to be a, an awful character, but it's also again, this is played for a laugh. Her housemate, that's the the sorority um, leader. The meetings. Yes. Yeah. 
does an impression of a deaf person at one point. Uh, I was yeah. again a little bit a little bit uncomfortable with that. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> Not really. Well, necessary. I suppose it, it's it's supposed to portray how little she fucking cares about the sensitivities of other people. Like she will just mock like if you didn't hear me, then she's gonna pretend you're deaf. Yeah, I I'd be inclined to agree with Ray on that as well. Like while these things can be distasteful. A movie should be able to portray that distaste. Like people, some people are distasteful assholes, right? It's so the, it's okay it, to have a portrayal exactly. of those distasteful assholes in the movie. One hundred percent. But it's it's again, it's the context that it comes in. I guess she is kind of being an asshole, and it comes across with that. But it's also there's a part of it that is still played for a laugh. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You're, okay. It's a mixed thing, I guess. You're right. <laughs> where you should be able to portray that kind of assholeness, but don't play it for a laugh. Don't have like almost the suggestion of a laugh track underneath it. It's the same thing as the rape scene. Well, not the rape scene, the murder scene. That could have been a rape scene. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you really have to treat it correctly. Yeah, treat it with the the fairness that it deserves and the the uh, sensitivity it deserves. Um, so the other bit that I questioned was, you know the way we see her watching a video of her and her mom at her birthday? Yes. Remember this? And she's getting all emotional. And then in the video, her mom pushes her face into the cake. Yeah. I think that's a very American thing, right? They do that. Um, it is, yeah. You see all those videos online about like the bride and groom pushing cake into their faces at the weddings and stuff. Yeah. And I think I feel like that birthday cake thing is kind of Americanish as well maybe but yeah I hate that I hated that like imagine doing that someone on their birthday like, one you ruined their birthday cake mom, and two you yeah. pushing their face into a cake <laughs> my, my mom would be like the, the what all that cake would be left on my mom after that if she did, if she did that to me oh man yeah <laughs> did, did, I, uh, what do you think you're doing <laughs> I also found the, the like this could be like maybe the backstory wasn't developed enough for this, but the the falling out of her and her father. I mean, her father was obviously trying to make an effort, and she just was having none of it. And her, to me, it seemed like the only rationale behind it was this day is harder on me than it is on you. And it's just like, oh, is it though? But you're not. I think that's kind of how people think when they're younger. Yeah, yeah, it's, maybe. It's, now she isn't a teenager, I assume. I mean, I guess she could be 19, but my thought was she was early 20s. But even if she's early 20s, it's still the same mindset. Yeah. I know I sound like I'm defending the movie a lot, but yeah, I think... She was 29 when she was filming this. Yeah, but she was uh, yeah, playing she, a 21-year-old. Um, when you are that young, you think the world revolves around you and that yeah. all the pain you experience, no one else could possibly experience the same kind of pain. Mm. Even though, you know, everyone either has experienced that amount of pain or more because that's just life, right? Life yeah. is difficult. And that's what growth is as you get older. You mm. realize, oh, you know, you have that empathy and that this pain is shared. And I guess that's the whole growing up bit in the movie. But yeah, I agree. Like, it's just, there's a lot of better character that you hate especially like from three quarters of the movie. She's just a bitch. Well, I guess that's the whole, like, yeah, you're you're hitting the nail on the head there where the growth and development of the character to the point where something she would never have done, which was meet up with her father on that day, she does end up saying, like, I have to do things right. Like, I've had long enough to think about this and 
seeing life from a different perspective. Like maybe she's living a lifetime worth of experiences in that short time. I, I don't really understand how many days she's died. It's, that's, it doesn't. Yeah, that's a question weeks. I have. I, you know, like saying Groundhog Day, yeah. they, they pretty much show you that they've glossed over loads of days. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he explained it like just by showing you how much he knows about the town, it would have, I think someone estimated that it had to be like a thousand years or something crazy. It was several years. Yeah. Um, yeah at least anyway. Yeah. But for her, am I wrong in thinking we see every single loop? She explained, I didn't count them afterwards, but I know that at one point she says, someone threatens her and she says it beats dying for the 16th time. But I think she does die at least once more, maybe twice more. So it's probably between 17 and 18 times. Okay. So it's probably two and a half weeks. One, we get a little, another time travel reference to chocolate milk. Do we? For the second film in a row. Yeah. Uh, so the... the oh, uh, we do. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the girl sorority girl. Sorority girl just... sits down and she's asked, what the hell is that? Is that chocolate milk? So, and that, that happens maybe five times during the film. So we get a lot of chocolate milk in two films, Men in Black 3 and Happy Death Day. <laughs> this is the... Uh, There's like a weird... Yeah, nice, the next down. movie we watch has to have a reference to Happy Death Day because this is like bounced yeah. from one movie to the next. <laughs> Because yeah. remember, Arrival had the link with um, the actor, the actor, yeah. the actor. So, and then we have chocolate milk. So now we need to do we thing is do we purposely try to find that link, or do we just happen upon it? Well, there's a very um, natural link for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah. I already said it at the podcast. I know. We'll be doing, I we'll be doing yeah, happy, yeah. happy death day to you in a couple of weeks. So, but another thing I want to talk about: the score is great, um, done by composer Bear McCreary who did the Aces of Dead. S.H.I.E.L.D. He did The Walking Dead and he did Ten Cloverfield Lane as well. Yeah. But I like how he goes in between it being creepy and light. So the, for instance, the scene where Laurie leaves Tree in the police car locked up and sets it on fire. Mm. The music there is brilliant. There's a little, there's a little hint of a motif every time the the baby mask turns up. That's like a little haunting banshee scream in the background nearly. And that's put over a kind of a drum rocky beat or something. It's really cool. I really like that bit. And then a lot of the other bits in the film where it's the, the happy go lucky. Oh, look, this is this a crazy situation. I'm in the, the music kind of it plays with that a lot. And I, I like the juxtaposition between the two. Um, I just wanted to give a massive shout out to you, the character design of the baby mask killer. It's fucking freaky. It's it's a really, really good, iconic kind of killer mask. Like you can you can literally just put that costume on and people are like, Oh yeah, that's the one from Happy Death Day. <laughs> like it it's great. It's such a horror movie trope again. And it's it's the real question of like this is supposed to be for school spirit. What fucked up lunatic working at that school designed this baby mask and thought oh, it was I cool looking? To do with the name of the school is the school called like Bayside or Bayville or Bay something, but it's the Bay something babies. Yeah, yeah, because um, that's their mascot. But it's so creepy. But I guess like any baby, like weirdly realistic baby doll. I just sorry, a slight aside. We had this um, one of those marionette puppets I got as a present when I was a kid. Okay, um, got it off one of my aunts when I was like seven or eight and it was sleeping on a 
well, sorry, I was sleeping in a room and I was sitting on a chair and I woke up in the middle of the night and pretty much screamed. Just like, it was the creepiest thing ever. The shadows just made it look alive. So I yeah. put it out in the hallway, right? <laughs> and then apparently it creeped everyone else out in the house as they walked past it if they needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> it ended up out in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> It's like those those weird dolls, like baby dolls, puppet dolls, anything. Yeah. I just they're all so creepy looking. It's because they got those <laughs> weird them. dead eyes, you know. Yeah. It's freaky. Don't like them. No. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, it's it's not nothing we haven't seen before, but it's a nice take on it. Mm. Um, and I think that's a, kind of what you can say for the whole movie, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, like even even when Trish was asking me about this movie, like she's not very into her horror movies at all like she can't handle gore whatsoever um and she was asking me off you know did, i kind of joked about this at the top of the episode but what's it kind of like i said it's literally groundhog day and scream mixed together like yep. you can't come up with a better analogy than that I, I tried looking at a few kind of descriptions of it online so says you. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> Let me let's, tell you about the best uh, terminology you'll ever see for this film. It's the greatest, greatest terminology, the best terminology ever. This um, podcast will fail if we don't come up with a better analogy than that, right? So let's it, all absolutely. Think. But like, no, it, it, like literally, you can't. Like that's the premise. It's it's a uh, it's a slasher movie under the kind of day repetitive thing of Groundhog Day. So it's just Groundhog Day and Scream. Yep. And like, it's and, got that, you know, what? yeah, go on. I said it at the start though. Um, like and I, I, maybe I keep saying it. I still really liked it. You know, yeah. I, it was predictable, um, but there were so many elements to it that were just fun. Mm. And you know, they still catch you out that kind of twist where it's the roommate, even though we kind of see it coming. Yeah. But the way it is, the roommate is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Agreed. There's enough the, kind uh, of like I guess spanners thrown in the works for the roommate to kind of make you like almost. Um second guess yourself so like you do think it's the roommate but then you see that she was working at the hospital double shift so they throw that kind of curveball at you and then you see that like she's worried about her and she's always kind of trying to look after her and you kind of go no, maybe it's not the roommate but it's totally the roommate yep it's a very fun film it actually it goes back to I, I'd, I'd use the same points about the the bodyguard or not the hitman's bodyguard <laughs> <laughs> Which is the, what the podcast really about? <laughs> but it's oh, it's 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 along the same lines as that. I, I probably prefer this film a little bit more to the Hitman's Bodyguard. But it's an mm. easy watch. The characters are all, you know, if they're if they're not likable, then it's in a fun way. A lot of the time, you you actually, yeah. it's enjoyable to watch them on screen. And that's a, yeah, it, that's a really good point. I would say if you don't like horror movies, you can watch this movie. Yes, yeah, anyway. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and still enjoy it. And the, I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit about um, Happy Dead Day to you in, in a couple of weeks. But there's there's a reason it's not quite as good. Hmm. But we'll get we'll get there. But I, well, I, the, the main characters in this carry this film. Yes. And yep. yep. We will we will see how that plays out in the next one. Absolutely. So the only ones going into the next one called are myself and Rob. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I only watched it during the week, so. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so that's been Screen 17, talking about the potential closer of Cineworld, talking about Happy Death Day. And join us next time when I think we're going to be talking about either Happy Death Day to you or we're going to be talking about a Simpsons Halloween special. <laughs>
You'll just have to find out next time. It's bye from Ray. Bye from Rob. And I'm still straightforward announcer. And we'll chat to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. to disembark.